Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. If I could invite your attention to Genesis chapter 32, and we're going to begin reading in verse 22, Genesis 32, 22. And while you're turning there, preparing yourself, I do want to certainly give honor to your pastor and his wife and family tonight. Brother and Sister Brown have just been uh, wonderful people to get to know over the last several years. And uh, I mentioned this, I think, one of the last times that I preached. And Sister Mimi was reminding me of this last night, that uh, it was so good to finally meet the answer to some prayers that we had prayed several years ago uh, in a time of transition. Uh, believing the Lord had a new pastor to follow my father after he retired from pastoring. And uh, he may have retired from pastoring, but he hasn't retired. I just let him be as busy or as lazy as he wants to be. Amen. But I will say this. The Lord has given them great health, and we're very thankful for that. And uh, I tell you what, of lately, he has been on fire preaching. Amen. And uh, you can still finish strong. Amen. And uh, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be here with Brother and Sister Brown, their family. And uh, I love this building. Amen. And I know that you're still kind of in a, in a time of transition and different things that are happening. But I'm going to tell you what. It is uh, wonderful to come back and see change. God help this church if you came back 12 years after the last time you were here and everything was just the same. Amen. It is a living organism. It's something that grows and prospers and changes. And Amen. I know this. I'm not the same person I was 12 years ago. Neither are you and neither should a church be. Matter of fact, I'm a grandpa now. That's really, really hard to believe. Amen. I don't know how somebody so young gets to be grandpa, but... Uh... Amen. I will take the title, and it's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. And I have come tonight just believing God wants to do something special for here. I know that it's Wednesday night. I know we've got work and, and traffic to battle tomorrow and all that kind of stuff. But I, I want more than just a good meeting tonight. Amen. And the worship's been good. There's been a lot of good things that have happened. But I, I want something to happen between us and God before we leave here tonight. Amen. Not just a good meeting, but a God meeting. Amen. Where we come face to face with God for a little while and God interacts with us and works with us. And we're in some desperate times. There's a lot of uh, very desperate things that are happening in our world. And when you get to a point of desperation, you see, the world makes us believe desperation is a bad thing. Oh, they're just desperate, and that's meant to be a disparaging remark. But you know what? I found out in God's economy and in God's kingdom, being desperate is a good thing. And I don't know about anybody else tonight, but I have kind of reached a place in my life where I am desperate for God. Amen. I, I've got to have Him. If I've got to climb a tree, if I've got to tear off some tiles from a roof, I just know this. I've got to get connected with God. Amen. And so let's read about Jacob, who was at a point of desperation in his life when God met him in, in verse 22 of Genesis 32. And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants, his eleven sons, and passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. 
And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. It's a passage that talks about Jacob wrestling with a man, and yet it was is as he wrestled with God. The one thing that is very clear from this passage is, from this moment forward, Jacob was a changed individual. He was never the same again. He had a a new walk, a, a new name, a new character. It was a divine encounter that led to a new destiny. And if you'll give me just a few moments of your time tonight, I want to examine that subject together with you. A divine encounter that leads to a new destiny. I believe in our few moments together tonight that somebody can meet Jesus in a way that will leave them differently than what they walked in these doors. Amen. And so let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the wonderful people of God that have gathered together here in the house of the Lord tonight. God, I value their time and I value your time. And I pray that you would help us in our few moments together to look into the word of the Lord and let the word of the Lord speak to us. And let the word of the Lord guide us and direct us and let your spirit minister among us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you in the name of the Lord as you're seated this evening. Amen. You know, before God did this work, before there was this divine encounter that led to a new destiny for Jacob, Jacob had to deal with some stuff first. And I use that as a general term because stuff for us is all individually different. Your stuff is not the same stuff that I have to deal with. And my stuff is not the same stuff that you have to deal with. But before there is a move of God in our lives sometimes, God calls for us to deal with some stuff in our life. One of the first things that happened in this encounter with God, and and as Jacob was preparing himself for what God had for his future, Jacob needed to face his past. And before you can move into the future that God has designed for you, sometimes you have to go back and face where you came from. Now, the good news is I don't believe that our past has to define our future. I don't think our past has to limit our future. But sometimes we have to be honest with ourselves and deal with our past. And Jacob had to come face to face with his past because his past was one that had been one of trickery. It was one of deceit. It was one that he had sown a a lot of things early on in his life. He had tricked his brother out of his father's blessing by deceit. 
In fact, his very name means supplanter. It means trickster. It means deceiver. Anytime that he was called by the name of Jacob, it was saying, hey, you deceiver, come here. Because in Bible days, names were often very reflective of the person's character. And it was a constant reminder uh, to the person's family, to his friends, to his colleagues about what kind of individual that they were. And so he had had to deal with that all of his life. And, of course, when he had tricked Esau, he uh, found that it was very easy to run from his problems. And sometimes that's the way people like to deal with their past. They just say, I'll just run away. But can I tell you, running away never helps you face your past. Running away doesn't get rid of the problem. It just transfers the address. Because if you have trouble here, you're going to still have trouble there. And if you're a trickster here, you're still going to be a trickster over there. Sometimes you need a divine encounter with God that will help you deal with your past and get it under the blood of Jesus Christ. So he runs away, and, and in this far country, he falls in love with Rachel, one of Laban's two daughters. And, and you know the story, most of you, that he works for seven years, and then the guy who is the trickster gets tricks played on him. He begins to reap what he has sowed up to that point in his life. And when he wakes up the morning after his marriage, he finds out that it was to the wrong gal. It's kind of good to check out, Brother Chris, who you're getting married to before you spend the night with them. He wakes up and uh, Leah, the Bible gives her some interesting descriptions. Let me just put it this way. I won't say that she was ugly, but she was maybe barely pretty. And he wakes up and thought, what in the world has happened to me? But what his past had been a part of now comes into his future. And it comes into his present, and, and he has to serve his father-in-law uh, another seven years for the girl that he really wanted to marry. And eventually Jacob says, you know what, I need to go back to where I came from. And so he leaves Laban and his two sons and his family, and he leaves with all of his uh, family and, and his possessions, and he heads back toward the promised land, and back to Esau, whom he had cheated, and thought, I have got to deal with my past. If I'm ever going to have the preferred future that God has for me, there's some things that I've got to deal with from my past. I'd like to just say, and, and, and it's so wonderful because I, I know so few of you here tonight that I can say things without knowing that I am having somebody in the crosshairs. But let me just say, if there's something that is stopping you from being what God wants you to be, then you have come to the right place to deal with it. Amen. Destinies are determined in the house of the Lord. Amen. And God has brought you to a place that you can deal with your past so that you can have the future that He desires for you to have. And if something is stopping you from that this evening, I pray that through the grace of God, you can find a divine encounter that will change that. And sometimes God brings us back to where we've come from. Elijah had to do it. 
If you remember the great victory that he had on Mount Carmel, there were 450 prophets of Baal, and there were 400 prophets of Asherah that were defeated. And you know the story. He called fire down from heaven, and he prayed for rain, and it came, and Ahab took off for Jezreel, and Elijah was supernaturally empowered by the Spirit of God to outrun that chariot all the way. And then Jezebel threatens his life. Fear grips Elijah. And he flees. And the next thing we find him is he's hiding in a cave, depressed and suicidal. How can you go from a mount of victory to a cave being depressed and suicidal in just a short amount of time? He was a man of like passions as we are. We can't condemn him because sometimes Sunday we're shouting the victory and Monday we're thinking, where's God? Fear drove him to it. Fear held him in that cave. And then God spoke to him. And what did God tell him to do? He said, go back the way that you've came. That fear of Jezebel held Elijah back. And fear of Esau held Jacob back. And fear has held so many men and women of God back through the years. But that's not the only thing. There's people that are carrying fears from their past. Things that happened in your life. Things that were maybe not right. Maybe they were wrong. Maybe they, there were bad things that did happen to good people and you've been badly hurt. But I'm here to tell you that God has an encounter tonight. That if you will meet Him, and if you will wrestle with Him, so to speak, you can leave here with your past erased and your future secure through the power of God's Spirit. You don't have to leave here carrying that shame. You don't have to leave here carrying that guilt tonight. You don't have to leave here with that bad habit from the past, whatever it is. God says, go back the way that you came. And traveling those roads again with the light of God's Spirit shining upon them is able to release the secrets and release the fears and release the hurts and release the rejections. I wonder if somebody in this place tonight could have the courage to simply say, God, I want a divine encounter on a Wednesday night in October that will get rid of some things. God, I want you to help me face my past and get past my past. The good news is God will not let you face the past alone. If you're willing to face the things that God would like for you to face, you will find that it's not a solitary environment. When Jacob made the decision to go back and face the issues that he had with his brother, you can read in Genesis 32, verse 1 and 2, And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And he called the name of that place Manhaniam. The Hebrew word there for meet, when it says that the angels of God met him. The Hebrew word there for met in, uh, is translated from the word paga, which means a meeting of great significance. Or an encounter with a purpose. And at the moment... Jacob didn't really sense the importance of the moment. I'm convinced that there are times we come into the house of God and we don't really realize how significant that moment is. 
it's just another Sunday or it's just another midweek worship and the word. And, you know, we're just kind of doing. But could it be that God could do something very significant in your life before you leave here? Amen. It's not just chance encounter that you're in the house of the Lord tonight. I believe that God had a divine appointment with every one of us. And though Jacob didn't realize, the good news is you don't have to grasp the importance of it for God to still do something. Amen. It's not dependent on us. It's dependent on God. And so when these angels came to comfort him and protect him from his brother Esau, they knew that he was going to confront his past. And they knew that they were uh, that they probably were not uh, really all that much aware, or Jacob wasn't all that much aware of what was going on, but they were there for his protection. Don't let the moment pass you by. Amen. The Bible says that God's angels are ministering spirits. Amen. He's here to do a work in your life. He's here to allow His presence to minister and and work. And, you know, what happens is Jacob kind of misses that and he goes into his standard mode. He goes to default and he's trying to figure it all out on his own. Amen. He's got a plan together. He selects his choice goats and camels and donkeys and oxen. and, And he's going to try to win his brother over by diplomacy, by sending presents. And he's going to try to appease his brother like he had done all of his life. Those were just his default settings. They were ingrown habits. They were a part of his very being and character. Just who he was. In fact, somebody said that Jacob was a counselor's nightmare. He just was what he was. And there was nothing that could change him except an encounter with God. But never underestimate what one touch of God on your life can do. Amen. Because one encounter for Jacob with God gave him a brand new destiny. And I have a feeling in this place tonight that if you would encounter God like He wants you to encounter Him in this place, there are people that could leave here significantly changed for the better. Sometimes I feel like we have to give these, you know, little qualification statements when we talk about God changing our lives. There's times people say, I don't know if I want God to change my life. What if he makes it worse? I got good news for you. I've never seen God leave anybody in worse shape than what he found. But there's a lot of people that could testify tonight that my encounter with God has been a change for the positive. My encounter with God has improved my life a thousand percent. You see, Jacob couldn't do it with his planning. He he couldn't do it with his diplomacy anymore. What God had in mind for Jacob was too big. A nation was about to be born. He thinks he's going to see his brother, Brother Brown. And God says, I'm about to birth a nation. You may have walked in just saying, it's another Tuesday night. It's another midweek worship in the Word. What's the big deal about that? If you knew what God had in your future. If you knew what God was wanting to birth in you tonight, I'm telling you what, you would plug in and say, God, I want everything that you have for me. 
I don't want to miss the significance of this moment. But before that could happen, the old Jacob had to die. Not physically, but spiritually. We're about to witness the death of the trickster and deceiver and the birth of a prince of God. And so, after making his preparations to meet Esau the next day, we take up the story in verses 22 through 24. And he rose up that night, and he took his two wives and his two women servants, his eleven sons, and passed over the fort Jabbok, and he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. The river is the... Jabbok River. It's very interesting and perhaps significant that Jabbok means pouring out. It means emptying. He sent his wives. He sent his family away. And he was alone. And he emptied himself. He realized that his human abilities were not enough. He realized that his legendary skills in diplomacy were not going to win this day. That his riches could take him away, but they couldn't get him the distance that he needed to go. All of those things that he had relied on up to that point in his life to get by. Oh, we develop our little coping mechanisms. We develop our little ways of... Uh, uh, of Surviving. But there comes a time and a place in God's presence to say, you know what? That's just not going to do it anymore. All these skills that I've developed to cope and all these coping mechanisms and, and all of these little things that I've done to patch together a semblance of life. I just need to let it all and Jacob came to this place of self-emptying, a place called Jabbok, where every human resource is given up so that God can replace them with His resources. Oh, you think you've got so much? Let me tell you, why don't you exchange what you've got for what God's got? And so Jacob empties his hands. He, he gives up trying to wing it. He gives up trying to pretend. He's now ready for a face-to-face -face encounter with God. And I know we don't like to admit it, but so often in our walk with God, we think we can wing it. We rely on our brains and our talent rather than the anointing of the Lord sometimes. We, we think we can scheme our way through it and we can devise our way through it. And, and I'm all for planning and strategy and, and, and we won't even go there. But at the end of the day, we've got to have not our gifts, but His gifts. There's so many people that I see. Maybe, maybe it's just all in North Carolina. Maybe that doesn't apply in California. But there's so many people that are coming to church, but they're not really walking in the power of the Spirit. They walk in the power of the flesh. And the flesh will fail us every time. And before Jacob can move into that future that God has designed for him, he's got to get all of that humanity out of the way so that the Spirit can do its work. And that's scary for most of us. 
because we like to be in control people. Oh, we, we, we reject the label that we're control freaks, but we're more control freaks than any of us like to admit to. Because we don't like any time in life when we don't feel like we're in control. But how can you be in control and God be in control at the same time? You've got to reach that place of empty that says, God, I God, I yield to you. I'm tired of trying to do it in my own strength. I'm tired of trying to do it my own way. God, I'm going to just empty that out. I'm going to pour it out so that you can pour something in. And guess what? When we pour out of us and He pours in of Him, we're a whole lot better off. Maybe there's a man here who hasn't had a good relationship with his father. So consequently, he doesn't know how to spend quality time with his kids. So he throws himself into his business hour after hour so he doesn't have to relate to his kids. It's the only way he can cope. But the Spirit of God is whispering tonight, come to Jabbok. Meet me at Jabbok. And empty yourself and see what I can do. Think of a woman who maybe has been sexually abused as a child. And all of her life she's carried hardness in her heart toward men. That's been her way of coping with things that have happened to her. And then God says, meet me at Jabbok, my daughter. I can heal you. You can give up all of those things that you have developed to protect you. And I can give you a peace that passes understanding. Come on, maybe there's somebody in this place tonight that's grown up in a situation where somebody uttered a curse over you and you believed it and you bought into the lie. Maybe it was your mother or your dad or a father or a teacher or somebody that said you're never going to amount to anything in life. You're going to be lucky to just be able to barely make it. And so you shrank back into your shell. And you developed walls. And you developed insulation to protect you. I am never going to let anybody hurt me again. And God is saying to you tonight, Jab it, my son. You don't need to go through life with walls. You don't need to go through life with a hard shell. You can meet me face to face and I can heal you. Maybe tonight God wants to place his hand on some things that you've done to protect yourself. One of the things that we don't like to be is vulnerable. I'm never going to put myself in a vulnerable position. But God is calling you to become vulnerable tonight. He's saying, let me pare away the layers that aren't you so the real you can face me face to face. How could God ask me to become vulnerable? Because He knows what it's like to be vulnerable. You don't believe that? I'm going to tell you what, when you're hanging on a cross naked, you're pretty vulnerable. But you know why he went through that incredible ordeal? Isaiah tells us. But he was wounded for our transgressions. 
He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. He didn't do it for his own sake. He did it for your sake. He became vulnerable for us so that we could become vulnerable unto him and allow him to strip away all of the falseness and self-protection and coping mechanisms so that he could set us free to live the life he's designed for us. And so in verse 24, we find that Jacob was alone with God. And most all of our victories are achieved in moments of aloneness with God. That's why it's so important to, to schedule regular times with Him. But yet in a crowd like this, you can still be shut in with God in a secret place. There in the Spirit, beholding His face. And I know that sometimes we don't enjoy those moments like that. But can I tell you, the things that have made the most significant difference in my life is when I and God got together and it was like a wrestling match, Brother Brown. I had to pray through some things. I had to pray over some things. I had to pray under some things. I had to pray around some things. Sometimes we have to wrestle with God over problems we don't understand. Sometimes we wrestle with God over His will for our lives. We wrestle with Him over questions that haunt us. Or maybe it's just like Jacob. We wrestle with God because deep inside of us there is a desire for His blessing. I will not let thee go. Except thou bless me. You see, if you look at his history, several years earlier, he had been blessed by man. But now he knows he needs to be blessed by God. Hear me tonight when I tell you the blessings of man can only take us so far. There comes a time in life. God, I need your blessing. And I don't mind admitting I'm desperate for it. I desire it. I want it. And the good news is, Jesus said in Matthew 7, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. For he that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh they findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. Literally, it's keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Let me just say, if there's something that you need from God tonight, then wrestle with Him. Don't just say, well, bless God, that's been a wonderful, nice little midweek service. Let's go home and get to work tomorrow. No, you can, and, and it doesn't take a long time. I'm not suggesting you have to have an all-night prayer meeting. That's how long it took for Jacob. He was pretty hard-headed. I'm not suggesting that sometimes with our problems we might could use a good all-night prayer meeting. But I'm not calling for one tonight. Hallelujah. But don't give up until you get your answer. You see, the danger in our day and hour is we hope to get what we want at the cheapest price in the shortest amount of time possible. And God doesn't always work that way. And I would like to say that hopefully the impact of this message tonight will last beyond when the lights are shut out here. I pray that tomorrow, amen, maybe while you're in the car driving to work, you're going to still be wrestling with God. Amen. I pray a couple of weeks from now, there's still going to be something when you go to God in prayer that says, I've got to see my way through this. I, I, I've got to let the old me die so the new me can become alive. Jacob didn't need just another blessing on his messed up life. He 
needed a new life. He needed a divine encounter that could lead to a new, a new destiny. And that's exactly what he got. Amen. As we stand together in this place tonight, notice what happened. Notice what changed. He gained a new name. He was born with the name of Jacob. Because he came out grabbing onto his brother's heels and he was a supplanter. But now God says, I'm going to change your name to Israel. You've been a schemer, but now you're going to become a prince. Hey, somebody can leave this place tonight with a totally different outlook on life. But not just an outlook, but the cha- a reality change. Amen. He gained a new life. He gained a new walk. Amen. That angel touched his thigh and, and, and he began to limp a little bit from that day forward. I, I will tell you that if you ever truly encounter God, it will cost you something. Probably it's the same here as where I'm from. But there's a lot of folks at home that want a priceless Christianity. Doesn't cost them anything. Let me tell you, if you ever encounter God, truly, it's going to change some things about you. And I would rather come back from an encounter with God limping than leaping. Amen. Now, I I like to shout. I like to leap for joy. We sang about that tonight. Amen. Our home church, they're a wild bunch sometimes. So don't mistake what I'm saying. But if all you do is hoop and holler and you never changed, you're missing something. Don't, don't eliminate the leaping. Just get in on the limping. He gained new power with God. He has a divine encounter that can lead to a new destiny. Hebrews 11 and verse 21. We shift to the end of his life. And the Bible says in the New Testament, reflecting back on the end of Jacob's life, by faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. He gets to the end of his life. But what happened that night by the river Jabbok is still what marks him. He's still marked. He's still using a staff because of his limp. It was all possible because he chose to go back and face his past. He emptied himself and God poured into his life what he needed to fulfill God's destiny. I don't know about you, but for just a few moments, I wonder if maybe you could just give God five or ten minutes here tonight. If he chooses to go longer than that, you can take that up with him. But I wonder if just about maybe five or ten minutes tonight, we could gather in around the front of this building for just a few moments and say, God, I'm coming for a divine encounter. I'm coming to deal with some stuff in to empty myself out. Maybe maybe I've emptied it out before. Maybe I've said before that I, I give you all, but isn't it amazing the things that we give to Him, sometimes we go back and take up. 
re-enter into our lives. Is there somebody that could have a desire tonight? Is there somebody that could be desperate enough to say, God, for just a few moments on this midweek worship in the Word, I want to end it around the front of this building with a divine encounter that can lead to a new destiny. I want you to do something in my life. I want you to touch me. I want you to work in my life. I want you to help me. I want you to bless me, God. If nothing else, God, maybe I'm all fixed. Maybe there's nothing wrong. But God, at the very least, I can get in on a blessing tonight. I won't let you go except you bless me. Come on, can we reach out to the Lord? Can we allow the Spirit of the Lord to interact with us? Can we allow our path on this Tuesday night to intersect with the divine destiny of God and let God's Spirit and the work of His hand be poured out upon our lives and spirits tonight? Anybody willing to open up their hearts to a work of God's Spirit? It'll happen through prayer. It'll happen through praise.
right now, but I want you to pray a specific prayer for that person. I want you to pray that God's grace and mercy would keep reaching to them until they release, until they release it to the Lord and have that encounter that they need to from God. Pray for them specifically. God, let your grace keep reaching. Let your grace keep extending. Let your mercy, Lord God, keep reaching until they just release it and let it go. Understanding and people can come and experience a divine encounter with God and it really not affect their destiny because they haven't gone by Jabbok, they haven't poured it out, they haven't released it. A lot of times because of fear or maybe it's pride, we try to hold it together, hold on to our mechanisms, addictions, fears, pride, whatever it is, but we finally just say, okay, God, I'm letting go. I'm yielding. And it's more than just goosebumps up and down the spine. It's more than just, and that was a good service. I felt God's presence. But no, I walk out of there. And I've got a new destiny. I walk a little bit different. Amen. My life's been impacted deeply by the Spirit of the Lord. And I think the key that we learned tonight is that kind of a life-changing encounter doesn't happen just because we come in contact with God. And it happens because we're willing to let go. Amen. Beautiful word. Let's thank God for that right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We're excited about what God is continuing to do. Sunday, our series, we're talking about freedom from regret and the fact that God has a plan B. 
How many are glad God has a plan B? Amen. And sometimes what we see as plan B may actually be God's plan A. Right? Amen. So let's be prepared for that. And we had great testimonies about uh, life change that's happening in our life group. So I want to encourage you to make plans to be a part of those as well. God bless you. Greet one another. Encourage one another in the Lord. So good to see you. Make sure you greet our guests. Uh, Brother Cleary, great to have you with us. Is that PJ? So great to see you, my brother. Love you.